Hello, it's Rob Thomas here, and today I want to dig into one of the items that I had on the list of what I called the 12 attributes of, of a great leader. And the source of this is I've had a number of discussions where um, people are trying to get comfortable in their role as a manager or as a leader. And you know what success was in those types of roles five years ago or 10 years ago is actually very different now. world has changed, technologies have changed, tools have changed, organizations have changed. And if you think about it, if that much about an environment has changed, then obviously the role of a leader and the role of a great manager has to change. And the purpose of this whole series is to try to give some really practical examples of, of what that means. And today I'm going to dig into the number seven item on, on the list, which is around candid and open communication. And I think this is one of the toughest ones because in, in many cases it's difficult for people to do what they know is the right thing because they're not necessarily comfortable having candid and open communications. And so I want to dig into that. And uh, joining me today is Ritika Gunner. Uh, Ritika is a vice president in IBM Analytics, um, focused in our product management and offering management area. And so I'm going to have a discussion with Ritika around some different techniques and, and how to go about this. The thing that I'll start off with, and I guess one of the themes I heard I read about a while ago, is this whole notion of sharpening contradictions. And what that means is if you're leading a meeting, and let's say you got your whole team in a discussion and, you know, one person says A, another person says B, and those two things are different from one another. I see many times where a manager or a leader just goes on to something else because in a sense they're trying to they want to avoid that conflict or they want to avoid that contradiction so they try to change the subject to some extent which is very different from sharpening the contradictions because sharpening the contradictions would be to say, hey, I'm going to point out that you said A and this other person said B. Let's talk about that difference because sharpening that difference or bringing that contradiction to the forefront can have a really big impact in terms of the clarity that it brings to the team and the clarity that it brings to the organization. So I'll bring Ritika in here. So Ritika, You've led a lot of different size teams, you know, from executive teams to non-executives. Tell me about that dynamic when you see it in meetings that you're leading. How do you try to handle that? What have you seen that works or doesn't work? Well, I think, first of all, um, conflict between two different parties or between multiple different parties actually is the breeding ground for a lot of creativity and new ideas. So when encountered with that particular situation, I think moving off to a different point of view is often um, probably not the right thing to do because by breeding the different ideas of the different contradiction points, you'll probably find um, creativity or areas that um, the team should be talking about. Some of the best teams in the, or in, in the organizations that I've worked with have been um, conflicted in numerous different areas. And I think through working through the conflict together, um, you actually build a lot of mutual respect between the team members 
and you actually breed a um, environment where people are encouraged to bring new ideas and to surface new um, things that may be uh, against the common grain of what happens in an organization. So within those areas, what I tend to like to do is to allow everyone and give everyone their platform for their ideas, um, substantiated within facts, um, and have that discussion not only between the two parties, but as a team. Because I think that kind of conflict is really important to breeding where teams need to go. So how did you get comfortable? Because, you know, I made the assertion that in many cases I see leaders or managers that they kind of try to change the subject because they're not comfortable having that conflict or that disagreement in the meeting that they're in. How did you get comfortable doing that? Is it just about you You see it a couple of times and ultimately people see that it makes the team stronger? I mean, how did you get to that point? I use a why principle. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Um, like where when someone has a different, a very different point of view, you ask them why. And when it kind of, they give you a shallow answer, you ask them why again. And when they get a shallow answer, you ask them why again. And I think it's really important to hear a holistic idea. And I, I guess I get comfortable with the fact that my idea may not always be the right idea. And maybe there's something that I don't know or another person on the team doesn't know that could probably bring a lot of color to where we want to go. So I actually have started um, implementing or, or when I actually saw this a few years ago, I started implementing that with the te- with my teams quite a bit. When someone has a very different point of view to where I am, I ask why. And if I don't get a really good answer, I ask that a few more times till I understand where they're coming from and why they're coming from where they're coming from. And then it starts to make sense and tie together to whether maybe that should be the way we go or not. Got it. So you got to, to, to some extent, that's about creating an environment where people are one are willing and able to speak up. Yep. And by the fact that you entertain that and you ask why a few times, it demonstrates that you want to understand their opinion. doesn't mean that you always agree with it. But at least you're showing the respect of digging into it and understanding it and the flexibility to adjust your approach if, uh, if warranted. That's right. So I think the uh, – so that's one thing. This whole idea of sharpening contradictions I think is really important. Second one I'll go on to is I think a lot of times people get into an environment. They have an uncomfortable discussion or an exchange with somebody and instead of hitting it head on – they, they let it linger or they just, you know, they, they just go their different way. And then that's something that, that's something that stays on their mind for days or hours or even weeks. And, and that can be really unhealthy in, in an organization or in a team. You know, I just had an example a couple weeks ago where I was having a discussion with somebody, a peer of mine, and they said something that and I wasn't really comfortable with what they said. And so I asked about it a little bit more and I still wasn't comfortable. And then you know, the conversation ended and I was, you know, I went back to that person later in the day and I, and I said, you know, what you said, I, re- I really wasn't comfortable with that. Like here, here's what I, here was my reaction to it. And, you know, within five minutes, it was like complete clarity. Like I, I totally misinterpreted what was said, but if I let that thing linger, then suddenly I've created, you know, people use the phrase technical debt and, and software development. I would use the phrase, it's like relationship debt and it mm-hmm. builds up over time if you don't get that clarity, but sometimes people aren't comfortable going back and having that discussion just to clarify things. And I think a lack of clarity does create debt over times in an organization. How do you deal with that? Do you see similar things? Absolutely. I tend to, um, within my organization and also with, um, folks that I deal with, um, want to address that, that relationship debt head on. 
Um, because those type of things can linger and create um, a type of relationship which is not conducive to actually being productive. Um, and if someone feels like, if I feel like I can have a very frank conversation with someone about where we are, where we're going, even though it may not be clear or, or, or it may not be where we want those outcomes to be, coming to that final decision um, point really helps achieve clarity and focus and then determination of where you need to go. And I think, to me, doing that is what ultimately creates a, a healthy culture. Absolutely. To some extent, because if people can have a moment of confrontation or disagreement, and but ultimately, instead of letting the problem just persist or linger, they actually come to some level of conclusion on it, that really changes the team dynamics. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've heard the phrase before, trust is, is knowing why, why people are doing something without having to ask. That creates trust because then you understand who they are, where they're coming from. You don't necessarily have to ask, but it's because you've been through some of those experiences or exchanges. I think it's like any relationship where you may not agree with someone's point of view. In fact, you're not going to agree with someone's point of view uh, 100% of the time. But knowing that you're going to have differences of opinions, you're going to acknowledge them, you're going to deal with them quickly, um, allows you to have a relationship that provides clarity and breeds that trust. So I think that um, being able to address that head-on is almost a fundamental cornerstone to having a very trusted relationship. Let's talk about feedback. So so last topic uh, for this session, one-on-one feedback, whether it's performance reviews or career counseling. I think that's one of the hardest places I see for people to be really open and really candid because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they want to, they want to accentuate the positives and then talk about places to improve. But sometimes because they don't want to tell somebody, you know, look, you know, these are the places that you're letting us down or these are the places where you're not achieving your potential. They kind of skirt around that and maybe they say it indirectly. And then sometimes they leave the, I mean, I've talked to people that they have a one-on-one with somebody and both of them have talked to me before. And when they come to me, they both had a totally different impression of what occurred Any techniques you can share or how you conduct, you know, one-on-ones, how you give feedback so that you avoid that trap? Yeah, I think um, everybody has room for improvement. You can be the the best person in the world. That doesn't mean that you're at the potential where you probably could be. Um, And so the technique that I have used very well uh, with others is to be very fact-based. You know, when we go into discussions about um, 360 reviews or whatever midterm reviews um, with people, I like to go in with a set of three to five facts. Here's kind of where you did well. Here's an example, one, two, and three. Here's where you didn't. And if you're outcome-based and say, these are the outcomes I expect, you're missing them by this percentage or this milestone or something measurable, that's a very easy discussion. So I think as managers we um, and leaders, we have the onus to be able to give accountability to our teams that's very measurable and that we can own. And as we go back and give that feedback, we should be able to do that in a way where we can give very concrete examples of where people have missed the mark. I think sometimes people, managers often, they, I'd say they under, underappreciate the impact of giving what I'd call gray feedback to people. Because ultimately, that just becomes a disservice to that person over time. So I think one thing hopefully to make people feel more comfortable is ultimately being incredibly clear, like you say, being incredibly fact-based, 
while it may be dis- difficult to the person giving it, it actually is, it pays off for the person receiving it. In the, Wouldn't in the you want that work. yourself? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> like I, I think about it in terms of what would I want to hear? If there were things where I was missing the mark, I really want to know. I want to know in a very constructive way. I feel like the same way for the people who I'm giving that feedback to. Very, you know, in a non-emotional way, fact-based, like you say, sometimes I've found that even writing it down and being clear with the person before, look, you know, there's three things that came to mind as I thought about this. I just want to share those three things. That way they know it's been thought through. It kind of takes the emotion out of it and it actually shows somebody that that you really care. It may not make it easier to deliver it, but then at least you're having that candid and open discussion that can, you know, help somebody improve. That's right. Any closing thoughts from your side? Candid, open communication. Any any closing thoughts? You know, I think candid, open communication, as I mentioned before, is a cornerstone to building the trust that I think organizations need to really make the organizational shifts and changes that they have. If you're not communicating in the right way, you don't know where you're going, how you're going there, um, and you're not able to then make the kind of changes that you want for your organization So I think that candid, clear feedback, um, 360, I think with your people outside uh, of your organization is the cornerstone um, to establishing the trust to get to where you want to go. I agree. Look, there's a lot of things that go into being a great manager and a great leader, but it's hard to find any great manager, great leaders that don't have clarity of communication and candid communication as really a hallmark of their of their style because it's so important to providing clarity to individuals and to an organization. So well said. Ritika, thanks for spending the time. Thanks, Rob.